Thanks for checking out this episode of the Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast. In each episode, we talk about a movie, we share some fun trivia facts during the conversation for you, and you can check out the latest episodes on Wednesdays. You can also visit us on Facebook, facebook.com slash screenfacts, post your comments or questions. You can email screenfacts at yahoo.com or tweet me at Jason Davis Voice. And for all the details about the different ways that you can listen to the podcast, including accessing past episodes, please visit jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. Joining me on this episode of the show, my good pal, Les Sinclair. Ta-da! In case this is the first episode with Les that you're listening to, really quick, um, I work with Les down at Z95 in Charlottesville, Virginia, and he's still there, as well as WINA. He's an amazing radio guy. Everything I know, pretty much, I learned from you. So... I appreciate that. And, you know, you're definitely a big part of the reason why I do voiceover work full time and why I do this podcast, because I kind of missed working with you. So I had to find something that I could do that kind of made up for that a little bit. And here we are. Yeah, we always had a good rapport and did a great thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked about American Idol a lot on the radio. Mm -hmm. So it was it was a good fun time. And and I'm glad we're able to continue it into this realm. Yeah. And I always uh, sort of lament that we don't get together enough for this because our schedules don't always jive. And, and I know that, you know, you work so hard at the radio stations that on the weekends, I don't really want to ask you to like get behind the mic again. So I really appreciate every time you take the time to do the podcast with me. So thanks. I appreciate being here. Thank you very much. It's an honor. Today, we're going to talk about Taken. And I can honestly say this movie is sort of the inspiration for the Screen Facts with Jason Davis podcast in a way. No kidding. Tell me that story. (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) when I first sort of discovered podcasts, I found a podcast, another movie podcast, and it was a podcast where they happened to be discussing this movie. And it was right after I had seen it for the first time. And I just thought it was so cool that these two guys were geeking out about this movie and it was so entertaining. And I said, you know, I love movies. I feel like I want to do a movie podcast too, but I want to do something a little bit different than what they're doing. And I feel like I do because for their podcast was more just them sort of talking about the movie. What we try to do is that, but also we try to do a little bit of information that you can walk away from the podcast going, okay, I learned something new about that movie. This podcast for me is like, for the people that like to watch the behind the scenes stuff, because if you watch the behind the scenes stuff, you'll get some of that here, but you'll Mm -hmm. get more as well. And that's what I really like about your podcast. Plus then you get the little personality influences of the guests that you have on and yourself. Thanks. I appreciate that. I mean, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that you're going to learn everything there is to know about Taken today. However, if you don't have time to look up trivia facts about a movie yourself and you're driving in your car or you're doing whatever while you're listening to this, hopefully you learn some cool stuff without having to look up the information yourself, you know? Well, even better than that, it's the personality injection that is given to those screen facts, I think, that really makes this special. Okay, well, I appreciate that. So Taken, released January 30th, 2009, starring, of course, Liam Neeson uh, in a role that... I don't think anybody really expected him in. We'll talk about right. that in a second. Maggie Grace plays his daughter, and Famke Jansen plays his ex-wife with a very interesting relationship throughout the movie. Xander Berkeley, I should also mention, plays uh, Maggie Grace's stepdad, and he's a very important character in the story, too, which is kind of cool. The movie directed by Pierre Morel, 
written by Luke Besson and Robert Mark Kamen, estimated budget of $25 million, domestic gross $145 million, worldwide made $226.8 million. Unless this movie somehow spawned a couple of sequels. Well, it's pretty <laughs> incredible, too. And and he turned this into a franchise, he being Liam Neeson, yeah. who I don't think expected this movie to take off at all. No, he didn't. You'd think Liam Neeson, an action hero? He did The Phantom Menace, the first Star Wars episode. Uh, right. And that was very limited in terms of his uh, action in that. Because, no spoiler alert, he dies pretty early in the movie. <laughs> That's right. I'm not really spoiling anything because most people aren't going to want to watch that movie anyway. Well, but... I hear that he wanted to be in The Phantom Menace so bad that he didn't even read the script. He just said, yes, I'll do it. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, if you're an actor, you want to be in a Star Wars movie. Right. But sadly for Liam Neeson, he's in the worst Star Wars movie ever. It was uh, a good respawn, though. I, I think it was okay. There's moments in it. I always say there's, there's a couple of moments in the movie that are cool, but overall, it's sort of a mess. Eh. But It's eh. Yeah, it's eh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so who knew Liam Neeson could kick ass the way he does in this movie? Even he expected the movie to bomb, which I think is very interesting. He signed on just so he could spend four months in Paris and learn karate, <laughs> which I think is kind of cool. Why not? You know, if you can have a nice trip and, and learn something cool, a cool new skill, and get paid to do it, why not, right? Right. And plus he said that he wasn't really being offered these kind of roles, so he thought, okay, they're offering me an action role, maybe I could sort of reinvent myself, and he does. He does an amazing job. Now, the reason I question the sequels... Now, have you seen the sequels to this movie? I have, yes. Oh, okay, you've seen both? Yes. Okay, um, I have not, so I really can't speak on the quality. Tell me if you think it's worth seeing them. I thought Taken 2 was pretty good. Taken 3 was uh, predictable, but also <laughs> a good action movie. Okay. Personally, I found fascinating is that he's older and turned his career into an action career. You know, I mean, he's, he's 65 this year. Wow. So, I mean, he's an older guy who finally uh, broke into the action genre with this, and he's an immense presence. I mean, mm -hmm. he's a he's a big guy, he's six four, and he's got that voice of Zeus, <laughs> yeah, which he played, by the way. So it's incredible to me that he hasn't been an action star before this. Yeah, I guess people just didn't see him that way for whatever reason, because he um, maybe this is the way he looked or the the other roles that he had taken prior to this, right. So my understanding for the sequel, the first sequel for Taken Two, is that they take Lenore, his ex wife. They kidnap yes. her, and, he, and it's and it's some of the people that are related to the people that he kills in the first movie. That's right. Okay. That one I might see, but then in the third one, doesn't his daughter get kidnapped again? Yes, but there's a twist in the third one, oh, okay. which I, I right. won't give away. Okay. All right. So, I mean, it sounds like it's a lot more of the same, and one of the things that makes me kind of hesitant to watch the two sequels is because of the scene in this movie that is so amazing, that kind of sets off all of the action. Everybody knows that if you've seen this movie, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. I will find you and I will kill you. I mean, come on. How are you going to top that? That's right. It is one of those great quotes that yeah. lives in movie history. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, maybe I'll check them out. I don't know. I, I just haven't had a chance to. I, and I recommend them. Look, if you've got a couple of hours to kill, yeah. I think it's a perfectly acceptable thing to watch them. For me, when you go to the movies, you sort of suspend reality anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are lots of holes in movies, always. One of the holes in this movie for me was he goes through all of these battles. I think the body count was close to 30 people yeah. uh, that, that he killed. And he 
finally injures himself jumping onto a boat from yeah. a bridge. Yeah, he sprains his ankle. <laughs> it's like, wow, all the bullets flying, all the car crashes. No, it was the jumping onto the boat that yeah, hurt him. That probably really would happen, especially because yes. he's older. But yes. that, that is very funny. Yeah, I mean, listen, anytime you watch a movie like this, you certainly have to suspend disbelief. There's so much stuff that goes on in this movie. And as I was watching the movie again to prepare for the podcast, I was sort of making mental notes of all the stuff where you're going, oh, come on. (laughs) First off, let's talk about the relationship that Liam Neeson and Famke Janssen have as, as exes. So again, to remind you, if you haven't seen the movie in a while, Liam Neeson plays this sort of special forces guy that's kind of semi-retired. He still does some side gigs, but his work has kind of kept him away from his family, his whole life. And so his daughter grows up, you know, sort of barely knowing him, right? Sure. But he's trying to reconnect, and his ex-wife is very volatile towards him. She doesn't want him to be that involved in in the daughter's life because she thinks he's a jerk, but he's really a good guy. I mean, you're rooting for him right from the beginning, right? Right. You know, I feel like, you know, as soon as you meet the character, you're going, okay, he's kind of a rough-and-tumble sort of guy, but and he's got a history, but he, he clearly loves his daughter, you know, he goes to that that store to buy the karaoke machine for her because she wants to be a singer. He wants to make sure he gets the best one and everything else. But then the relationship that he has with his daughter is sort of strained, but he's really trying to reconnect with her. You know, he gives up his career so he can be close to her and start a life with her because he's missed so much. I thought it was very funny. He buys this karaoke machine. He goes to this ridiculous birthday party for the girl who just turns uh, 17. They have right. this party that, you know, looks like something out of Hollywood because uh, the stepfather is su- super wealthy. So he gives her the karaoke machine and she's really excited thank you daddy and, and everything and then the the stepdad walks in a horse for her for her birthday right you're like oh great thanks stepdad yeah for ruining that moment that's how this thing opens is he's right. going into the electronic store right if you look across the street there's mm-hmm. a gaggle of people over there mm-hmm. those are not extras those are people on the street watching the filming of the movie oh, and if funny. you look real close you can see them even taking pictures oh how funny <laughs> That is pretty cool. See, those are things you miss if you're not really paying attention. I miss that, so I'll have to look for that when next time I watch the movie. It's a quick scene, though, I will tell you. It happens yeah. real fast. Yeah. So then, you know, the the daughter finds out that she has an opportunity to go to Paris with a friend and stay with, uh, I don't know if it's her friend's family or, or something. No, that- I think they're just going on a holiday, and uh, the stepfather, who's super wealthy, has arranged that they stay in really nice hotels. Because when they get to Paris, they, they're staying in that, that house that... Right. That supposedly is owned by somebody, but they're away in Madrid or something. I just watched the movie the other night. You'd think I'd remember, right? I don't remember that part either. That's funny. It was, it's, it's the precursor to Airbnb. Everything's good. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although that's not a really good endorsement for Airbnb because they get kidnapped from that house. Well. <laughs> so because he's the special agent, the special you know forces guy, he's very kind of aware of what's going on in the world with terrorist activity, this and that. So he's not really too keen on his 17-year-old daughter going to Paris alone with another teenager. Oh, but Amanda's 19. Yeah, whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> so you know, there's this argument. And and the the wife, the, for, the ex-wife, Famke Jansen, Lenore, is like, oh, come on, don't be a jerk, Brian. Let her go. Let her explore the world. She's mature enough. Now, one of the things I'm, I'm thinking when I'm watching this movie is, first of all, she's a very immature 17-year-old, in my opinion. Yeah, because she goes nuts over the pony. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just, just the way she's, she's clearly not very street smart. Mm-hmm. 
It's fine, but that person is not somebody I would feel comfortable putting on a plane to Paris alone either. Well, and anybody who has had a teenage daughter, yeah, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know from experience what that's like. <laughs> yeah, He's really trying to do some good things for his daughter and protect her. And the way the ex-wife is like, oh, Brian, you're being a jerk. You're, you know, you're pathetic. You're, you're, you're paranoid, blah, 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 blah. And, and you're watching the movie, you know, knowing as a viewer that bad shit's going to happen. And you're almost rooting for it. So he can go, I told you so, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> to the ex-wife. I had never looked at it that way, but yeah, it's right on. You're right on there, yeah. Because this guy knows the world. He knows what's going on. They get to Paris, and they start talking to a strange dude at the airport, you know, because he's hot. Yeah, right away. I don't think that's completely implausible, though. No, it's not. But I think anytime you're traveling, no matter who you are, you should definitely keep your guard up a little bit, because there's a lot of bad people in the world. And I'm not even a special forces guy, you know, who's seen yeah. some bad shit. No, you're right. There are the bad people out there who are looking to exploit you. Right. And the reality is that she's 17 years old mm -hmm. and good looking. Her girlfriend is 17 year, or 19 years old and good looking. Right. And they're begging for something bad to happen. <laughs> exactly. Especially as uh, green as they are. Right. But it's not just that they talk to the guy. They're given all kinds of information. And the worst part is when they get to the house where they're staying, not only do they say, oh, no, we're here alone, just two teenage girls all by ourselves. <laughs> she also, Amanda, the friend, also says, oh, yeah, it's the fifth floor, the whole fifth floor, apartment number, blah, blah, blah. Like, they tell the guy everything. And you're sitting there screaming at the screen going, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> you're, in, you're in a foreign country talking to some guy that you have no idea what his story is. When we talk about suspending disbelief, you kind of go, well, you just hand yourself to the guy, why don't you? You know? <laughs> you know, strangely, I believe that, though. That it would happen? <laughs> that that would happen? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure teenage girls would do that, but my point is they should know right. better. And she's sort of like, oh, you know, we don't know this guy. You know, right. she's a little better than the than the friend. But that scene where they're in the, the apartment and they're dancing around and then he, he finally reaches her on the cell phone and she goes in the other room kind of across the way. And she's on the phone with him, and all of a sudden she sees the, the kidnappers come in, and they, and they grab her friend, and she's freaking out. That scene, I've seen the movie a couple of times now. That scene still, it's so amazing. It's so tense. Well acted as well. Oh, I mean, it's, incredible. it's good. Incredible. You know, you're watching that, and, and you're just, you're feeling everything, all the fear that she has, that she's about to, you know, be kidnapped as well. And just how she's describing it, and how he's trying to talk really calmly, because he knows bad stuff's going to happen. And just everything, like when she hides under the bed, and then when he's t instructing her, and how he gets the thing out to record the call really quick because he knows he's not—he's only gonna have one shot to maybe find some information. And it, when you're—you know—you're gonna be taken. He's, he says he knows it's gonna happen. He's like, "Yeah, you're gonna be taken." And this is very important, Kim. I want you to yell out as much stuff as you can about the people who are taking you when it happens. I mean, can you imagine having to do that? I'm not sure that the girl could do that. But then again, I'm not sure that she couldn't either. I mean, especially given the girl with a little bit of sense. Yeah. yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I mean, it's just an intense scene. And the other intense scene is when he's listening back to the recording. It might have been after she gets taken and he's listening back. And the look on his face, it, like the piece of acting that he does when he's just, you know, you could see he's, he's thinking, I may never see my daughter again. And it's, it's so intense. Without saying a word, and I think it's it's an amazing scene with Liam Neeson as well. And then he eventually gets, what, 96 hours, and yeah. he, he's got to get it done in 96 hours. Yeah, and I wonder, and that's the other thing, again, about suspending disbelief. Do you think it's possible for the greatest spies in the world or special agents in the world, his friend knows the guy's name that's on the recording, 
that that took his daughter. You know where he's from, what their mo is. They drug the girls and they and they sell them into prostitution, all that stuff. Like he knows all that from that recording, which I think is pretty amazing too. And he says, you know, you have a 96 hour window. And the mother is there too. Until what? Until you never see your daughter again. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an intense movie and it moves really fast. And there's so many great scenes. And again, what I said before, like, that's why I feel like once you've seen it the first time, how are you going to top that with sequels? Is it more of the same or? It is the same, but different. And they did a nice, they did a couple of nice plot twists in them. I think that that made the sequels possible. And you think about Liam Neeson. I mean, he did this movie for $5 million. Mm -hmm. He did the second movie for $15 million. Mm -hmm. The third movie for $20 million. And he made his money back. All of them are profitable. So it's a big deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I know that they were all a success because they wouldn't keep making them if they were losing money, obviously. And, and, you know, good for him that he could cash those kind of checks for, for playing the role a couple more times. Why not? And also, we should mention that there's a TV show now based on this movie as well. So, I mean, it's certainly a popular franchise. It's interesting because you mentioned Xander Berkeley. He mm-hmm. gets replaced in Taken 2 with the actor Dugray Scott. What's fascinating to me is they both have a relationship to The Walking Dead. Okay. Um, Xander Berkeley is on The Walking Dead currently, mm-hmm. and Dugray Scott was on Fear the Walking Dead. That's very interesting. I wonder why they replaced Xander Berkeley. Xander Berkeley, he had a schedule conflict and couldn't do the movie. But it's the same character? Same character. So he doesn't reconcile with his ex-wife then? She's still married to the other guy in Take Two? No, that's part of the plot. Okay, all right. right, And I can't remember if that's two or three, but somewhere along there, that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if if, you you get kidnapped and your ex rescues you, you got to go back to him. That's just a given. Well, and one of the things that uh, is in Taken 3, Liam Neeson said Mm -hmm. that he would not do the flick if anybody got taken so it's not a taken oh okay in, in, three. in three okay interesting maybe i will check them out now you're kind of you convincing you're, you're making a strong argument they're worthwhile okay so i also read an, an interesting thing jeff bridges was first cast for the brian mills role he dropped out thinking that uh you know he really wasn't right for it and then when he saw the movie with liam neeson he, he said that neeson was definitely a better choice i can't imagine jeff bridges yeah, you and I talk about this a lot, how yeah. there are these movies where um, somebody else in the role, you just cannot imagine it. Yeah. We talked about how Liam Neeson took this role to, you know, because he wanted to learn karate. And it's actually, I'm sure a lot of people when they're watching this movie, they're going, what kind of, what style is he using? What martial arts style is he using uh, when he's taking out these people? And it's actually a hybrid style. It's called Nagasu Do, which I'm, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. You got to be close. Yeah, probably. <laughs> what is it? It's a style of martial arts. It's it's judo, aikido, and jujitsu. He learned from the guy who created it, who also taught him uh, weapon skills. A special air service soldier, a guy named Mick Gould, taught him not only the martial arts but also how to handle the knives and everything else. I think it's kind of interesting because you see a lot of movies with martial arts and they're doing all kinds of beautiful, fancy roundhouse kicks and all that kind of stuff. I think if you're going to learn a martial art or a self-defense technique, the best thing you probably can learn is something like this. If not this one in particular, Krav Maga is another one, where it's all kind of compact, quick moves, nothing fancy. It's just like, here's how you're going to take out a guy that's looking to take you out. And that's what I think is great about what this character does in the movie. It's no nonsense. A guy comes at him, the guy is incapacitated instantly. It's not like, you know, let me me do a, a fancy kick 
or you know a series of things. It's like boom, 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 done. Yeah, and anybody who's been in a, a real fight knows that movie choreography right. in, in fights is like that. It just doesn't happen that way. It, it oftentimes is very close quarters mm-hmm. and really quick. And fights normally end really fast. They right. do not go on as long as they do in movies most right. of the time. In real life, this is the kind of martial arts you should want to learn. And it's very realistic. It's sloppy. It's not pretty, almost looks clumsy at times, but like there's some great scenes. Like when he gets to Paris and he first finds that Peter guy, the guy that initially meets the girls outside the airport and is the one that kind of sets up the whole thing. Right. He finds him and he, he grabs him and he throws him in the cab and he, and he starts just pounding him in the cab. He's hitting him in the spleen, by the way, yeah. so that he can damage him. And then he, I think he even says something about, you know, how he's going to puncture his lungs or he's going to, you right. know, hit him so hard that he's not going to be able to breathe soon. You know, he knows where to hit a guy, you know, that uh-huh. sort of thing. And then the other guy that's working with that Peter guy in the airport drags him out of the cab and he, you know, he falls really hard on the concrete, but it doesn't stop him. He's like kicking, you know, he just beats both these guys up. And then when that Peter guy gets hit by the truck, it's like, oh no, that's like his one lead. And the guy just gets pancaked yes. by the truck. Uh, it's cool though. It's cool. I don't know why that's cool. It's just, you know. It's badass. Well, I think part of it is the unexpectedness of it because you're going, okay, so what's he going to do now? Right. How's he going to catch that guy? Oh, yeah. it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's just really great how he tracks these people down. All the different little, little subplots, like the guy, his sort of contact in Paris that, that works in law enforcement, uh, he finds out is corrupt because the guy is taking uh, bribes from the the criminals. Right, and he sort of finds that out by accident, too, when he goes to confront the criminals and yeah. uses that guy's car. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's cool how he goes to the guy's house and he shoots the guy's wife. Yes, in the shoulder. It's just a flesh wound. It's a flesh wound, but the next thing you're going to see is, uh, is me putting a bullet between your, your wife's eyes before I make your kids orphans. It's like, oh, man, ice cold in his veins. Yeah. You kind of get it because the guy's a corrupt cop, and he's not helping him find his daughter, and that's all he cares about. The plot of this was uh, this Albanian ring of um, human traffickers, if mm. you will. In Taken 2, um, this is retribution. Again, the Albanians coming back after him. But n- there are no Albanians in the cast of Taken 2 because they thought the first one was so anti-Albanian that <laughs> no one Albanian would do the movie. Oh, wow. You don't want to see stereotypes, but I mean, there's going to be movies made and the bad guy's got to be something, right? You right. know, but, but listen, hopefully people are smart enough to know that not all Albanians traffic humans. Right. Unless they have that star in the moon tattoo on their hand and right. then you got to worry about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much of a scumbag is the guy that, what's his name? St. Clair or St. Clair? St. Clair. Yeah. yeah. St. Clair. Yeah, the guy that's having this party and then like underneath the party in this like the deep dwellings of his basement, he's got the trafficking going on where people are buying girls. And then when Liam Neeson says, you know, that one's my daughter, he's like, oh, I'm a father too. I have a son, two sons and a daughter. And you're like, oh, what a scumbag this guy is. Ugh. Yeah, it's hard for normal people to realize that that happens. But, you know, yeah. it happens all I the know. time. I know. And that's kind of another great thing that came from the movie, too. Famke Jansen, she, in real life, decided to fight against corruption. She's a goodwill ambassador for the United Nations Office Against Drugs and Crime. So that's kind of cool. Real-life superhero. Yeah. 
it's not uncommon for actors or actresses to play characters that are younger than what they are in real life. Amanda, who's played by Katie Cassidy, is supposed to be 19 years old, and Maggie Grace's character, Kim, is 17, you know, the daughter. In real life, Grace is actually older than Cassidy by three years. Uh, she was 25, and Cassidy was 22 when the film was released. Well, and in the next movies, mm-hmm. uh, it's, they're only two years after, but they're much older. They're playing characters that are in their mid-20s, which is kind of fascinating. That is interesting. And I truly believed that Maggie Grace, who's 25 in real life when she makes this movie, or 24, I mean, she really plays 17 well, except, like I said, seemingly more naive than what most 17-year-olds would be in this day and age. I hadn't thought of that, but you're right on there, because if you were digitally connected, well, you, you know stuff. <laughs> yeah, I would think. I would think. You know, when you talk about a thriller like this, sort of thriller slash action movie, where if you know what's going to happen, seemingly it would be ruined for you to see it a second, third, fourth, whatever time. But honestly, I've seen this movie a couple of times now, and it still grabs you. You still feel everything when she gets kidnapped and, and what the emotion she's feeling. You're like, oh my God. Well, one of the things I think we watch movies for, especially action movies, is that tension. Mm-hmm. And if you can watch it over and over again and experience that tension, then you know that it is a well-made movie. Yeah. And another thing that I really love, too, in the movie is when he gets to Paris... He finds the house. The red door. Well, that too. But but I'm thinking like the house where, where she and Amanda were, were kidnapped from. Oh, right. Yes. And he's going, he's trying to, you know, find clues. But he's like in his mind, he's listening to the recording and he's, and he's seeing in his mind how it all happened based on how everything's knocked over and everything else. I think that's a really cool scene too. One of my favorite scenes is actually at the house with the red door when he goes in as the inspector. He's playing the dirty cop at this point. And uh, when he gets all of those guys in the room and ends up taking them out in in a, as you said, really fast way Mm -hmm. after he discovers what he needs to know, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. And the other thing cool, um, and that right before that happens, when he's walking into the house, when he's being led up to the, you know, the boss guy, Marco, and he's kind of surveying, you, you watch him, he's surveying, he's like, he's like, how many guys he's looking at, he's counting, he's counting on, in his mind, how many yeah. guys he's got to take out, where they all are, how the escape route, all that kind of stuff. And it's very cool. And the way he, he finds out which one is the guy that took his daughter. Yeah, this, uh, this guy gave me this and it's Albanian. Can you translate it for me? And the guy goes, good luck. That's a hole in the plot for me where I go, could you tell from the phone to the real life voice? Could you tell? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. If you're Brian Mills, you could. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's one of his particular set of skills. You mentioned the body count, 35, if you you want to have the... Is that what it was? Yeah, 35. The hole for me there is... How can you go through a foreign country and kill that many people and then not end up on trial or in jail for killing? I mean, he, everybody, he killed everybody and it was okay? <laughs> that is a, a sort of a plot hole there, isn't it? Yeah. Especially when you get to Taken 2 and 3. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And then the very end when he's chasing them down onto the boat, which is pretty incredible. I mean, um, that he's, he's going against traffic in that scene. Yes. And that, I don't know how that happened. I mean, that's that's one where you go, wow, could could that happen? Yeah, and it's a very well, like you said, very well orchestrated scene. Obviously, it's a controlled environment, but still, I mean, it looks very realistic. And it's a great little uh, not-so-subtle product placement for Audi, too. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get your money for those movies somewhere. Yeah, it's a cool movie. It's definitely... Worth seeing, again, if you've seen it before um, and you haven't seen it in a while, because it, it holds up. And like I said, 
you're not going to be going, oh, I know what happened, so it's not exciting to me anymore. It still grabs you. Well, it's one of the things I like about this podcast, too, because you can listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. watch it again, and you got a whole fresh new look at the movie. So thanks to you, Jason Davis, uh, for doing this shucks. podcast. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, listen, you may even find things yourself when you watch it that I didn't talk about or that I missed that, you know, maybe you can let us know about. And that's why we have the Facebook page. You know, we encourage people to get involved in the conversation, too. This is not just about you and I, Les. We want people to geek out with us. So go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash ScreenFacts, and leave a comment and let us know what you think of the movie and what your favorite scene is or if there's anything that we didn't talk about that, that we should have, let us know. You can email us, too, ScreenFacts at Yahoo.com, Twitter, at Jason Davis Voice. Les, why don't you tell people if you want people to be able to reach you? You can find me everywhere at Les Sinclair. I'm on the radio at Z95.net. You can listen live there if you want to do that. Definitely check out Les on the air on both uh, Z95 and WINA. WINA, you do some cool stuff on there. WINA is actually really interesting. Yeah, they, I, I talk to a lot of different people from from around the corner to around the globe. And, and uh, yeah, it's it's a really interesting show. And, and, and we do real quick segments. We podcast everything, and they're only about seven or ten minutes long, so they're real quick, in-depth segments. You can listen online at WINA.com. You can find the podcast there, and I guarantee you will find a subject matter that is interesting. Very cool. Anything else that you want to add about this movie that I didn't cover? No, it kicks ass. Watch the other two. All right. Les, as always, thank you for taking the time to partake in the podcast with me. <laughs> thank you for having me, Jason. And share your always point of view. Honor. Oh, please. My honor to talk with you all the time, sir. <laughs> so... <laughs> Please support the show. You can rate and comment on iTunes. Doesn't cost you a thing. Uh, Remember, check us out on Wednesdays for the latest episode. And again, for details about the different ways to stream and download the podcast, including the past episodes that you may have missed, please visit jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. Les, thanks again. Thanks to you for listening. We appreciate it. Show theme music by audionautics.com. And a special thanks to our announcer, Kim McKay from kimsvoice.com. Screen Facts with Jason Davis is a production of Jason Davis VoiceOver. Visit jasondavisvoice.com if you need a voice for a commercial, narration, promo, internet video, e-learning or training program, and more. Click on the podcast page to get information about where you can download and listen to past episodes. Listen again next Wednesday for a new episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis.